ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so we've been doing the six pillars of Iman. We've now covered the Iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We also covered the Iman in the angels. And so now we move on to the Iman in the books of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then after that move on to the Iman in the prophets and the messengers. So with regards to the Iman in the books of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is the same as what we mentioned before regarding the angels. The first point to make is the same as the point that we made regarding the angels. That there are two different levels of Iman when it comes to the books of Allah, the revelations from Allah, that is that there is a specific level of Iman regarding the revelations from Allah, regarding the books of Allah, and there is a more general level of Iman. The specific level of Iman is of course to believe in the books of Allah in particular that we believe in the names of the books that we know the revelations that we are aware of and who they were given to then we have that very particular iman in their names and who they were given to they are specifics then though there is a more general and broader level of Iman in the books, and that is to have an overall Iman and a general Iman in all of the various books, uh, scriptures and revelations that were revealed, even though we obviously do not know the names of all of those other books, we don't have details of all of those other books, so in that regard, it is a general level of Iman in all of the books that Allah revealed. And there is a specific level of Iman, <coughs> a specific level of Iman with regards to the books whose names we do know and who they were given to. So that is the same as what we mentioned regarding the angels that there was a specific level of Iman regarding them and a more general level of Iman. The specific level of Iman was again to believe in the names of the angels that we know and the jobs that they do, the specifics. And then generally to have your overall Iman in the existence of the angels, that they are a creation of Allah, etc., so here that is the first point to note, the two different types or levels of Iman, the general level of Iman and the more specific 
in terms of the books that we know and their names, etc. It is mentioned by the scholars that every messenger had a book, that every messenger was given a book. As Shaykh Al-Thaymeen rahimahullahu ta'ala said, وَلِكُلِّ رَسُولٍ كِتَابٍ Every messenger was given a book. قال الله تعالى Allah said in the Quran, Surah Al-Hajid, ayah number 25, لَقَدْ أَرْسَلْنَا رُسُولَنَا بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ وَأَنزَلْنَا مَعَهُمْ الْكِتَابَ وَالْمِيزَانِ That indeed we have sent our messengers with that clarification and guidance, وَأَنزَلْنَا مَعَهُمُ الْكِتَابِ And we have revealed with them the book and the criteria. The book, meaning that particular revelation that every messenger was given. Every messenger was given a new revelation as we're going to discuss in the next section. So all of those revelations they were given, that is a book every messenger was given. وَهَذَا يَدُلُّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ كُلَّ رَسُولٍ مَعَهُ كِتَابٍ So this ayah indicates that every messenger had a book. Every messenger was given a scripture. لَكِنْ لَا نَعْرِفْ However, we do not know of all of those books. We don't know the specifics of all of those books. Of course, we know the names of many messengers. But do we know the exact book each messenger was given from them? We don't. So we don't have the details of all of those books. But we do have the details of some of them. So which ones then do we have the details of? Meaning, how many books are there that we do know the names of? Four, five or six, one answer, which one? Six. Anybody else? How many of the books that Allah revealed do we know of? The names of? Five. <coughs> so, as Shaykh Al-Thaymeen mentions, that we know, from the books that we know, we know of a Torah. At-Tawrat, that was the book given to Musa alayhi salam. We know of Az-Zabur, that was given to Dawood alayhi salam. We know of Al-Injil, that was given to Isa alayhi salam. We know of Al-Quran. Given to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the final messenger. 
We also know of Suhuf of who? Of Ibrahim, Suhuf of Ibrahim and Musa. Suhuf is a specific revelation. The point here isn't necessarily the names, the point is the specification of books that have been mentioned. Other messengers, there's no specification of books. It just says they had a book. Here though, with Ibrahim and Musa salam, it's a bit more specific. It's mentioning the suhuf, the parchments, the scrolls, the scriptures that they were given. So now the the scriptures or, or scrolls or parchments, the book that Ibrahim salam was given, that can be counted as one of the specifics. Suhuf of Ibrahim. And then it also says the suhuf of Musa. So what are the suhuf of Musa, the scriptures of Musa? So that then depends. Maybe the suhuf of Musa, it refers to the Torah. Maybe it just refers to the same thing. Possibly some scholars have said so. However, it could be that the suhuf of Musa is something different. That Musa salam was given the suhuf and he was given the Torah. In which case we would know of six specifics. The Torah, the Injil, the Quran, the Zabur, the suhuf of Ibrahim, and the suhuf of Musa being different to the Torah. So that is what the scholars have mentioned there. لِأَنَّ صُحُفَ مُوسَى بَعْضُهُمْ يَقُولْ هِيَ التَّوْرَةِ Some of the scholars, they say, the suhuf of Musa, that is mentioned in the ayah. Which ayah? What is it? إِنَّ هَذَا فِي الصُحُفِ الْأُولَى صُحُفِ Ibrahim wa Musa, exactly, Surah Al-A'la. So now some of the scholars, they say the suhuf of Musa, it is referring to the Torah, it's the same. In that case, we only have five. But others, they say, Others, they say, no, the suhuf of Musa is different to the Torah, in which case we now have six. فَإِنْ كَانَتِ التَّوْرَةِ فَهِيَ خَمْسَةِ وَإِنْ كَانَتْ غَيْرَهَا فَهِيَ سِتَّةِ لَكِنْ مَعَ ذَلِكَ نَحْنُ نُؤْمِنُ بِكُلِّ كِتَابٍ أَنْزَلَهُ اللَّهُ عَلَى الرُّسُلِ وَإِنْ لَمْ نَعْلَمْ بِهِ نُؤْمِنُ بِهِ إِجْمَالًا So, that is either five or six, depending on whether the suhuf of Musa is the same as the Torah or something different. But regardless, the Shaykh says, generally we have Iman in all of the books that were revealed upon the messengers, uh, whether we know of them or we do not, whether we know of their names or we do not.
We believe that all of the messengers were given the books. It is mentioned by some scholars, not only just the messengers, but the prophets were all given books. Because all the prophets and all the messengers were given revelation. And so the scholars have said that would constitute generally the book that they were given, the revelation that they were given. So it is even possible to say, as some scholars have said, that every single prophet and messenger were given a book. We know they were all given revelation. All of them were given revelation, every prophet and every messenger. So it is very possible that every prophet also had that book that they were given, the guide, the revelation. All of the books of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are the speech of Allah. All of them, just like we say about the Qur'an, that the Qur'an is the kalamullah, the speech of Allah. The Qur'an is not something Allah made. The Qur'an is not something Allah created. Rather, the Qur'an is something Allah spoke, said it. And the angel Jibreel heard it from Allah. And then he came and passed that on to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So the Qur'an is the speech of Allah. Just like that, all of the other books were the speech of Allah. They were all kalamullah. They were all the speech of Allah. Of course, we know though that the older books, those that came before the Qur'an were not preserved. They were not preserved and maintained upon their original form as the speech of Allah as it was revealed. The Qur'an though, however, was. And that is going to be a homework question for this week. Why did the previous books not maintain their preservation upon their origin? Why did they not remain upon their original state, the original speech of Allah? Why were they not preserved and yet the Qur'an was preserved? Two ayahs of the Qur'an is all we need. That will be your homework. One ayah of the Qur'an showing to us why the previous books were not preserved. <coughs> and one ayah of the Qur'an showing why the Qur'an is preserved. Two ayat of the Qur'an is all we require for the homework. The first ayah is going to prove why or show us why the previous books were not preserved and they were changed and altered and distorted. And the second evidence, the second ayah is going to show why the Qur'an did remain preserved as opposed to them.
That is the homework for this week. So we'll see how many people can find the ayat of the Quran that would indicate and be useful as evidences to show those two points. Why the older books were not preserved, they were changed and altered, additions made into them, subtractions from them. Why that occurred in the older books even though they were all the speech of Allah too, just like the Qur'an. Yet they were not preserved and the Qur'an is. So what is mentioned in the Qur'an regarding that scenario there of the older books not being preserved but the Qur'an being preserved? (coughs) That is basically what we wanted to mention here regarding the books of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that they are all the speech of Allah they are not created Allah spoke them they were transmitted by Jibreel alayhi salam to the relevant prophets and messengers the books that we know of specifically we believe in them specifically the ones that we don't, all of the other books given to the messengers and maybe the prophets too, all of those books generally we have our iman in them, all of them the speech of Allah, none of them created. So that is our general belief regarding the books. One point to mention is regarding the Quran. We know now, We've just said all of the books are the speech of Allah. The Torah revealed from Allah. The Injil revealed from Allah. The Bible, the Old Testament, all those things. The Zabur revealed from Allah. All of those are revelations from Allah. Just as the Quran is a revelation from Allah. Then what if somebody comes along now and says, in that case, based upon what you've just said, I'm okay then because I'm following the Torah, which is revelation and speech of Allah, as you've just said. Or I'm following the Bible, which is revelation and speech of Allah, as you've just said. So what are we going to say then? All of the previous books, the previous scriptures, the previous revelations are abrogated by the revelation of the Qur'an. And there are evidences within the Qur'an and the Sunnah highlighting how the previous revelations are abrogated. They are nullified, wiped out. They no longer count. And only the Qur'an and Islam is what now counts. So nobody can now say that I'm going to stick to the Torah, which is the word of Allah, as you've said. Nobody can say I'm going to stick to the Zabur, to the Injil. It is the word of Allah, as you've said. Yes, it is. But we've also said how those previous books, for one, have not maintained the original status. They have been distorted for a start. They have had things added to them. They have had things taken away from them. So they are distorted for a start. But on top of that, regardless of that, we know that they are no longer valid after the revelation of the Qur'an. 
for example, the hadith where the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, لَوْ كَانَ مُوسَى حَيًّا الْآنِ If Musa ﷺ was alive right now, مَا وَسِعَهُ إِلَّا يَتْبَعَ شَرِعَتِي أو كما قال, That it would not, there would be no leeway for him to do anything but to follow my sharia. Musa السلام, did he have his own sharia or not? He had his own sharia. He was given his own sharia, given his own legislation, revelation, laws. He was given all of that, his own revelation. But the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, said, when he said, if Musa السلام, was alive right now, he was here right now, he would have to follow this revelation, not the one he was given. Because now that Muhammad وسلم, is here, and this revelation has been given, then that is the only one that can now be followed. So he said, وسلم, if Musa السلام, was here now, he would have no choice but to follow this revelation now, not to say upon the Torah any longer. In the Quran, Allah mentions, Islam, that the religion with Allah is Islam now. That is the religion, overrides and abrogates everything previous to it. Similarly, Allah mentions in the Quran, وَمَنْ يَبْتَغِي غَيْرَ الْإِسْلَامِ دِينًا فَلَنْ يُقُبَلَ مِنْهِ Whomsoever seeks a religion other than Islam, then it will not be accepted from him. So we know all previous scriptures are abrogated. And all that can be followed now is this Sharia. Even Isa alayhi salam, Isa alayhi salam, Jesus as they say, was he given his own revelation or not? Absolutely, he was given his own Sharia, his own revelation, he was given that. However, at the end of time, when Isa alayhi salam returns, when he returns at the end of time, he will rule by what sharia? The one that he was given his revelation or by the sharia of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam? By the sharia of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Even though he was given the Injil, he was given the Injil, the Bible, the, the New Testament. He was given all that, the revelation, sharia, rulings, everything. He was given all of that, a messenger from the best of the messengers. However, when he comes back at the end of time, he is now in the era of the ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. He is now in the era of the revelation of the Qur'an, and the final, the final revelation. So when he returns, he will not be able to return and uh, rule by the sharia that he previously had. He will return and rule by the sharia of Muhammad wasallam. So this is one of the clearest proofs that, and it is covering the widest area of debate, 
because the widest area of debate would be those claiming to follow the Torah and those claiming to follow the Injil. That a person would claim, I, upon, I am upon the religion of the Torah as it came, or I am upon the religion of the Injil as it came. Yes, those religions they came and those revelations they came upon Tawheed, the rulings and the Sharia that they had at the time. Yes, valid. But now they are not. Firstly, because those revelations, those books are distorted in the first place. And secondly, because Musa salam himself, if he returned, would be judging and ruling by the Sharia of Muhammad sallam. And when Isa salam does return in reality at the end of time, he will be ruling by the Sharia of Muhammad sallam also. So that shows you Musa salam and Isa salam. They would not rule by their sharia over and above the sharia of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam. So therefore the Quran it overrides what came before it. Sometimes the scholars they have a discussion in their books regarding can we still use those books? The Injil and the Torah etc. They were revelation from Allah. Of course, like we said, they've been distorted. So what level of usage can we take from those books now? So there's going to be different situations. You're going to be reading the Torah or the Injil, etc. And you come across certain things that are absolutely in contradiction now to the Sharia of Muhammad in that case those aspects obviously cannot be taken whatsoever they have been clearly abrogated because they are in contradiction to the Sharia of Muhammad there may be other aspects that are in absolute and clear agreement to what is in the Quran you may find sections of the Bible as they say the Old Testament as they say the Injil, the Torah, you may find sections in there, you read them and they are exactly as we learn of Tawheed, etc. in the Quran. Exactly, perfect, no issue whatsoever, could be. Those sections are obviously in conformity to the Quran. That doesn't mean that you now rely upon those sections and go to those sections. They are in conformity with the Quran, you go back and rely upon what's in the Quran. But those sections you can see now, are valid sections, they were revelation from Allah, they, they are completely in conformity to what's in the Quran. Then there is a third type which is, well how do we describe it? One section we described as being in opposition to the Quran, you cannot obviously take that. The second section completely in conformity, okay? So you can see that is legitimate, but obviously we're not relying upon that, you rely upon the Quran. That is just to highlight the category. The third category is therefore. <coughs> so the third type is where neither does it in of itself oppose anything in this Sharia. It doesn't oppose anything in this Sharia. But neither do we have anything in this Sharia clearly backing that up and saying it's correct. So it's one of those where it doesn't oppose, 
But there's nothing to say that it's actually good and correct. Nothing to confirm it in the Quran and the Sunnah, but neither at the same time does it oppose the Quran and the Sunnah. So it's in that middle area. So those kinds of middle areas, again, that's just to highlight what it is. None of the old revelations would be of a requirement. The requirement is the Quran and the Sunnah. That is simply to highlight what their levels are from the older revelations. There may be sections clearly in opposition. There may be sections that are clearly correct and good and they conform to what's in the Quran and the Sunnah. And there will be sections that neither this nor that. And sometimes the Israeliyat and those types of phrases that they have, they may fall into that type of thing where there are certain narrations mentioned, neither affirmed nor disaffirmed. But the point is you wouldn't require any of that anyway. And you would not be reading those books anyway. You would now be reading the Quran only. It is strange that a person comes along, people they come along with this uh, level of curiosity. I want to see the Bible and what's in there. I want to see the Torah and what's in there. You have not even learned the Quran fully. You've not even read and understood the Quran fully. What has given you the ability to go and read into books we know have been distorted and they are not upon the original kalamullah? What gives you that ability to go there? Rather, the scholars, they say, you do not go there. You do not go into that. You do not fall into that type of thing. For you, upon you, is to learn the Quran fully and properly, get to that level first, then we can cross other bridges. To learn the Quran fully and properly and its tafsir. If you do that properly, that will take an age in of itself. It will take an age in of itself to learn the Quran properly with its tafsir. And with its tafsir, when you look at the books of tafsir, even the small books of tafsir, the simplified, easiest books of tafsir, like the tafsir of Sheikh As-Saudi, Rahimahullah Ta'ala, known as Tafsir Ijmali. That is the categorization of that Tafsir, a generalized Tafsir. Every ayah generally just tells you this means this, this means that. No change of narration, no ahadith, no this, no that. Simple, straightforward, Allah says this in the Quran, that means X, Y, and Z. Finished. Next ayah, Allah says this in the Quran, that means X, Y, and Z. And we learn from this, this benefit and that benefit and that's it. Moves along like that. Some of the copies are even printed in just one volume. The tafsir of Sa'di. But then that's one volume. One big volume. The old copy, you get it in eight volumes. That is a simplified, easy tafsir. And it's still eight volumes in the old version. The new one is very small print. You could average it out to about three volumes worth. That is a simple, nice, easy tafsir, and it's still the equivalent of about three volumes of books. Then you go on to the more detailed ones, and they start getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You go on to the other famous ones like tafsir al-Baghawi, you go on to tafsir ibn Kathir, tafsir al-Qurtubi, and then at the head of them all, tafsir ibn Jarir, <coughs> tafsir al-Tabari, and those come in 20 plus volumes. 20 plus volumes. Not just one or two volumes. 20 books. Here now we do these classes. 
on a, a, a Friday night. Friday night you're doing these classes. And maybe sometimes you go through a book like this. A teacher comes and he's going to do a book like this big, 400 pages. How many Fridays are you going to be sat here to go through a book of 400 pages? Even somebody who teaches fast, they're going to be here for a year. Doing one volume. So what therefore of going through a book of tafsir that is 20, 30 volumes big? So before anybody starts talking about out of curiosity, I want to see what's in the, the, the Bible, what's in the Torah, etc. That is not correct for you to do so. Learn the Quran and study it properly. Understand your religion and tawheed. That is what is binding upon a person not to fall into the whisperings of curiosity. And then you end up misguiding yourself. So that is the general belief overall regarding the books of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Any questions up to there before we move on? That brings us to the end of the section regarding the books. Any questions or anything up to there? What is present now, then yes, it is distorted. It is not the original word of Allah. It is not the original revelation. And if you look into the history of the books, scholars have mentioned details regarding them, details regarding the Torah and what happened, how additions were made, subtractions were taken out from it, how the Torah for a period of time for a period of time throughout history, it was lost. And then it was rediscovered. And so who knows? And on top of that, one of the major differences, one of the major, major differences between the previous revelations and this revelation, and this isn't the answer to the question I asked before, but it's an addition. What is one of the major differences in terms of the preservation of the Qur'an compared to the other books before? Almost. You're right, you're right. There's, there's just a tiny bit more we need to get the complete answer. That's correct. That's 90% there. That there are Chains of narration, as I need all of the Quran to this day, preserved through memorization, preserved all the way through with chains of narration. Is there any chain of narration that exists now up to the Torah when it was revealed to Musa salam to his students onwards? Anything that exists of the chain of narration of Isa salam for the Injil onwards? Whereas the Quran to this day, there are people, not just people, hundreds, thousands of people with chains of narration for the Quran. The lowest one I believe is 24, maybe 23 or 24. Meaning, I narrate from Ibrahim, from Adam, from this brother, from that brother, from that brother, just 23 people. And the 24th one is the Prophet 23 or 24 is the highest one that exists right now. Highest meaning the shortest. The shortest chain of narration, 23 or 24 men. That's 1400 years. So there are people alive right now 
between them and the Prophet ﷺ is only 23 men. His teacher, his teacher, his teacher, his teacher, his teacher, up to 23 or 24, something like that, the figure. And you get to the Prophet ﷺ. So the Qur'an is preserved like that in that sense as well, through those chains and memorization. But on top of that, there is the evidences in the Qur'an that we want to. Anything else? Correct. Hadith wala haraj. Those kinds of narrations where they don't oppose anything in our sharia. Something you find in the Torah, in the Injil, doesn't oppose anything in our sharia. But neither can we find anything in our sharia that clearly affirms it. It doesn't oppose anything, but we can't find anything else that clearly affirms it. So it's one of those. So those types of ones. They can be narrated as general narrations, the scholars say. Generally, it can be narrated and often they refer to them as Israeliyat. You have a lot of them in the tafsir of At-Tabari. So those kinds of ones, they are general narrations. Neither can we definitely say this nor definitely say that. There is, it's not a, a, an evidence uh, definitively in of itself, but it's something that is said. Qeel, yuqal, that kind of thing. Huh. What does the word Injil mean and what does the word Torah mean? Anybody? Anything? What does the word Injil mean? What does the word Torah mean? And linked with that, what does the word Yahud mean and what does the word Nasara mean? Christians, you say Nasara, Nasrani. Jews, Yahud. Taurat, Injil, there are explanations as to where these words come from and what their sources are. That's one explanation of the meaning of Nasara. That's one explanation of that, and there are more too. That's another explanation of it. There are a few they've given. There's nothing definitive. There's a few possibilities of why it's like that. So homework number two then is going to be and this one is a, I, I would assume this is a difficult one because I would assume it's not one you can just Google. So what is the source of the name Injil? Why is Injil called Injil? What does it mean? What's the background to the word Injil? And also what is the source and the background to the word Torah? So two homeworks this week, both of a medium level I would say, medium level of difficulty, find the ayahs in the Qur'an that show why the old books were not preserved and the Qur'an was, and find the meaning of Injil and the meaning of Taurat, what is their background and, and source, what is the meaning of the word Injil, Bible, and the word Torah, the Torah, the Old Testament. So, anything else on top of that?
Or what did you say? The later? The latest sect. These modern day sects. Yeah, you know, uh, using the Torah and the Injil to refute them reminds me one time Jehovah's Witness. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe it was a different denomination. One of them or a couple of them, how they come around to your houses. They came and knocked on my house once a few years ago to give da'wah. They came to give me da'wah. Come give some da'wah of, uh, you know, the da'wah that they give. So they came and they, there was a, a, an elderly lady, an old lady and an old man. They were both very elderly, must be 70 plus, both of them. Elderly, old uh, a couple. And they came and they began talking and they have some leaflets and everything. And they start quoting. And God said in Matthew and this and that, whatever else. They start quoting some references. The scholars, they say, the one of the most obvious and blatant refutations which stops this da'wah immediately and cannot proceed any further is the verification the validity of the word of God that they are quoting you. So when they began saying, okay, market says this in Lucas, in Matthew, in blah, 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 quoting God said this and God said that and God said he will protect those and all that kind of stuff. So then the scholars have mentioned, you should highlight the fact that the, the word of God, inverted commas, has multiple versions in the modern day sects of Christianity. In modern day Christianity, you know there's no one Bible today agreed upon by the Christians. There are different versions, different editions of the Bible. The King John and the King this and different versions of the Bible. There is no one Bible. Different versions, different editions and you pick them up and they're, they're different. In fact, to such a level, when you pick up the different versions, there's differences in the lineage of Isa In some of them, it mentions the lineage of Isa with a different lineage with extra forefathers. And the others, they mention the lineage with less forefathers and people missing. The lineage of Isa is differed over in these various versions. There are many inaccuracies or uh, differences and contradictions between the versions. So there are versions of the word of God. Obviously, obviously, the word of God, when it came to Injil, as they say, the word of God, when it came to Injil, uh, when it came to Isa alayhi salam, was only one word of God. Isa alayhi salam wasn't given 10, 12 different versions of the Bible. He was given a Bible, the Injil. Now though, there is no the Injil. There are versions of the Injil. So when they start quoting, I remember saying to them, so which version of the word of God is this? They said, king, king, something, something, the, the version that we use. So then I remember saying to them at that time, but what about the version the Protestants have, or this sect has, or that sect has, and the king something version, and the King James version? They're all different versions of the Bible. Does it say exactly as you're quoting in those versions? They say, well, we don't know whatever, but we know this is the correct version. 
We said, well, okay, you say this is the correct version of the Bible for Christianity. That sect will say their version of the Bible is the word of God. The other sect will say their version is the word of God. You're telling me that there in front of you now in your hands is the word of God. So which one is the word of God? You're Christian, they're Christian, they're Christian, everybody's Christian, everybody's got the word of God. But apparently, clearly, they're all different words of God. So me as a non-Christian, if I was contemplating Christianity, how would I know as a first step where the word of God is? Which one is the word of God? And long story short, that was the end of the conversation. There was nothing else to be discussed. No, no, but we, we, we understand and we realize this is the word of God and everything else. But how? You have now multiple versions of the word of God. And that is impossible because the word of God that was given to Isa salam was the word. One Injil. Wasn't all these multiple versions with different chains, a different lineage for Isa salam, all types of things going on. So what's happened? That is clear, real life, real world proof that the Bible has been distorted and altered. And that's not something that requires any more proof than the fact that it is there physically. Every denomination has their version of this Bible. So now where is the word of God? And none of them can say to you definitely then ours is the one. They'll all proclaim this is the one. This is the version. But none of them have any chains of narration. That is one thing that makes this ummah superior to the others. That Allah gave us the chain of narration. Bukhari now. Several thousand hadith in Bukhari. And to this day, there are people who can tell you, I learned this Bukhari from my sheikh, from my sheikh, from my sheikh, from my sheikh, up to Al-Imam Al-Bukhari. And then of course we know from Al-Imam Al-Bukhari, another three or four, and you get to the Prophet So all of those hadith, they are memorized one man after the next man in the chain as it comes down. <coughs> Nobody can say, well, what if all of the copies of Bukhari on the face of the earth one day got burnt? What would happen? Doesn't matter. There's thousands of people who have memorized Bukhari from their sheikh, from their sheikh, from their sheikh, from al-imam al-Bukhari himself, and he from his sheikh, from his sheikh, from his sheikh, from the Prophet ﷺ directly. Chains of narration for this ummah. That Allah, it's a narration of the salaf. They used to mention Allah blessed this ummah with the chain of narration. Whereas it was not given to the others. For the advanced students of knowledge, they may, it is possible that they could highlight to them the errors that are blatant. And that would be in particular from the sections that are directly in contradiction to the Quran and the Sunnah then you know those sections are absolutely incorrect now. They are absolutely incorrect now. So you can highlight to them how those sections, they don't make sense. That doesn't indicate the oneness of Allah, etc. And you can show them the, the evidences of the Quran and the Sunnah. So that would be but for a level of a person who has a greater degree of understanding. It is not recommended for people to go start reading the books of the innovators, let alone the books of the other religions. So a person does not get involved in that though. We'll round off on that. Anything else before we do? Oh, you mentioned some scholars uh, say that every prophet 
That is going to be the very first topic in two weeks time. Because in two weeks time, our topic is belief in the prophets and messengers. So inshallah, in two weeks time, we're going to discuss the differences between a prophet and a messenger. What is the difference between a prophet and a messenger, etc.? All of that will be in the next lesson. We've now done Iman in Allah, Iman in the angels, Iman in the books. Next session, Iman in the prophets and the messengers. <coughs> Probably just the one lecture most likely. And then Iman in the day of judgment and then Iman in the decree. So we'll round off on that for tonight then.